This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. With Lon Clark in the title role, we hear another episode of Nick Carter, Master Detective. Jock McGregor was the producer-director of scripts by Alfred Bester, Milton J. Kramer, and David Cogan, among others. Background music supplied by organists Hank Sylvan, Lou White, and George Wright. Charlotte Manson stepped into the role of Nick's assistant in 1946, and tonight's episode is entitled The Red Goose Murders. What's the matter? What is it? It's a case for Nick Carter, master detective. Yes, it's the case of the Red Goose murder. Another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction, Nick Carter, master detective. Listen, Patsy, why do you have to come back to the office at this time of night? I just want to be sure that I finished everything before I left Scubby. With Nick away, it sort of leaves the responsibility on my shoulders. Okay, but shake it up, will you? The last show starts at 8.40 and it's 8.20 now. This won't take but a minute, Scubby. I simply want to have everything in order for the morning. (sighs) That was a good feed we had, wasn't it? Mmm, that sad was out of this world. Oh, doggone it. I knew we should have stayed away from this place. Nick Carter's office, Patsy Bowen speaking. Mr. Carter there? Uh, not at the moment. Who's calling, please? Art Bradley, manager of the Red Goose. When do you expect Mr. Carter? I can't say exactly. Uh, can I do something for you? I'm his assistant. Maybe you could help me out. Well, I'd be glad to if I can. Suppose you tell me why you called. It's like this. My girl Singer's just died very suddenly. Oh. She was all right a half hour ago, but when I stopped in her room just now, she was slumped on the floor dead. Looks very odd to me. Well, why don't you call the police? Well, I was going to, but the police visiting my nightclub would hurt business. And she may not have been killed, so I wondered if Mr. Carter... See, I met him the other evening at one of his lectures. Oh, I see. I wondered if he wouldn't come over and see what actually happened before I do anything further. If you have any suspicion that her death wasn't natural, Mr. Bradley, you'd better call the police. Yes, I suppose I had that. Uh, who should I call? Can you tell me? Uh... Oh, look, Mr. Bradley, leave it to me. I'll take care of it for you. Oh, well, that'll be fine. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now what? More trouble? Oh, not for us, Gubby. I have to call Sergeant Matheson. Then it's up for the movie. Oh, swell. <laughs> I thought for a minute we were going to miss that western. Oh, no, sir. Sergeant Madison. Oh, hello, Sergeant. This is Patsy. Oh, hiya, Patsy. What's up? Uh, Art Bradley, manager of the Red Goose on West 7th Street, says his girl singer is dead, and he thinks maybe she didn't die naturally. You better take a look and see what's what. Nick going over? Oh, uh, no. Nick's out of town for a few days. You'll uh, have to solve this alone, if you can. <laughs> 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 
What do you mean, if I can? <laughs> I solved murder cases before you was born. Just because Nick has helped me out once or twice... I apologize, Sergeant. Happy hunting to you. Yeah. Bye. Come on, Patsy. We just got time to make it. Right with you, Scubby. Let's see how the movies do it, just for a change. So this is just the way you found her, Bradley, huh? Nothing been touched? Nothing, Sergeant. See, I opened the door to the dressing room to speak to her, and there she lay on the floor. I shut the door again and called Mr. Carter. Good. Yep. Yeah, it's murder, all right. You see this? That mark around her neck, you mean? Yeah. Strangled with a fine cord or a wire, maybe. It's murder, sure. Only dead a few minutes, too. Not more than 15 to 20, I'd say. Uh, how did you happen to come to her dressing room, Bradley? Well, it's payday today, and I brought up the payroll sheet for her to sign. See, I'd given her an envelope downstairs sometime before, but she hadn't signed for it. How much did she make? 150 a week. Hmm. Good racket she was in. Made more than I do. Uh, that her handbag on the dressing table? Yes, I think so. Uh, notice it's open. Let's see if she's still got all that dough. Empty, by golly. Not a cent left in it. Hey, that must have been the motive for the killing. Yeah. Robbery. Uh-huh. Beautiful kid like that killed for a measly hundred and fifty bucks. Wait till I get my hands on the guy that did... Yes, you do, Sergeant. But, Patsy, what are you doing here? And the demon reporter, Scuppy Wilson. Hiya, Maddie. We were almost to the movies when Patsy's feminine curiosity got the better of her. She just couldn't stand the idea of a murder investigation going on without her being here to poke her nose in it. Uh-huh. Well, Patsy, now that you've poked your nose in, you can just poke it right out again. I don't need no help from you. What? Sergeant, I wasn't trying to help. I was just interested. Mm. Uh, is that what she killed, Sergeant? Yeah, strangled with a cord or a piece of wire. Oh. 150 bucks stolen out of her handbag. And no more questions, see? Yes, Sergeant. But please, may I just watch? Okay, okay. Just don't bother me. I won't. Uh, Bradley, how many rooms on this floor? Well, there are three rooms on the second floor, Sergeant. My office, this dressing room, and the dark room. All on this side of the building. Dark room? What's that for? That's where the girl who takes the flashlights of customers in the club develops the pictures she takes. Oh. As soon as she gets three or four snaps, she comes up and makes prints for the customers to buy. Then she could have been in and out of this room any time. Yes. Yes, she could. I want to talk to her. Sure, sure. Hey, if all three rooms are on this side, they must all look out onto that roof next door. Yes, they do. The adjoining building is a one-story flat-roofed affair, same length as this one is. Uh-huh. Windows always kept open, Ollie? Oh, on hot nights like this, yes. You ever see anyone on that roof? Uh, from this club, I mean. No, I don't ever remember any of our people ever going out there. There's no reason why they... Oh, oh, uh, Marie! Just a minute. Yes, Mr. Bradley? Sergeant, this is Marie, the girl who takes the pictures. You oh. said you wanted to talk to her. Yeah, I do. Uh, Marie, uh, when did you see this girl? This... Uh... Paula! What's happened to her? Is she... Yes, Marie. She's dead been killed. Oh, poor Paula. When did you see her last? Well, it was just after her first show, maybe half an hour ago. Was she all right when you saw her? Oh, yes. She, she was as happy as anything. She came upstairs just as I finished printing my last batch of photos. I asked her for an autographed picture of herself, and she said that if I'd take one, she'd autograph it for me. You took one, did you? Yes, I snapped it right then. You developed it yet? No, I was just going to now. Uh-huh. Well, let me see it as soon as you get it done. Might get some ideas from it. I'll have it for you in ten minutes, officer. And may I watch you, Marie? I used to take pictures when I was a kid. Uh, I'm Patsy Bowen, Sergeant Matheson's assistant. Yeah, my assistant. My pain in the neck. Call us, Miss Bowen. I'm glad to have you. 
Did you ever develop your picket needle? Oh, no, I can't do that. Yeah, women, they give me a pain. Uh, Mr. Bradley, how many employees do you have here in the Red Goose? Why, there are 12 in the kitchen crew, seven in the orchestra, five front men in the lobby and inside, uh, Czech girl, flower girl, and Marie. I want to talk to them, all of them. Get them up here. And look, Sergeant, couldn't we sort of take it easy, just talk to them one at a time, kind of private-like? I don't want to upset the whole club. Give a club bad name, you know. Oh, don't give it another thought, Mr. Bradley. Sergeant Matheson is the soul of discretion and the epitome of integrity. Hey, are you calling me names again? Oh, not at all, Maddie. They were compliments. If you only knew it. Well, pipe down, will you? Okay, Bradley, I'll take it easy. But I want to talk to every one of them. Alone or together, I don't care. Now, come on, let's get started. Sergeant, yeah. I've got some news for you. Yeah? What is it, Stubby? Your homicide squad is all through. Just left. Oh, some news. That helps a lot. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you finished your checkup? Yeah. yeah, we've accounted for all but two waiters and one of the front men. And all three of them have been with me for years. They can't be mixed up in this. Who says they can't? Anybody could be mixed up in it. But we'll let them go for now. I want to ask that Marie a few questions. She's the one nobody can check up on. Let's go back up and see what she's got to say for herself. If you don't mind, Sergeant, I'll stay down here. You two go right ahead. Ask her anything. All right. Come on, Scully. Right with you, Matty, old boy. Bradley says she only makes 35 bucks a week. What she can get out of the customers. She could have needed that money. Oh, she seems like a nice kid, Matty. I don't think she'd be You too? When will you guys learn that appearances don't mean a thing? Oh, there you are. Oh, Look for you. Marie's been waiting to show you the picture she took of Paula. Here it is, officer. Yeah. You just think she'll never autograph it for me now. Yeah. Looks happy enough. And look at this one, Sergeant. What? That's the picture Marie took while Paula was singing her last number. See her in the background? Yeah. And see whose picture it is. Hey, that's Alworth Van Keppel, the millionaire playboy. Uh huh. Does he come here often? Oh, about once a month, and always with a different girl. Blonde this time. He always gets his picture taken, too, and he's always good for a swell tip. Marie, suppose you and me have a little talk. Now? Yeah. Oh, I have to go down and deliver these pictures before the customers leave. Okay, but make it snappy. Mm. Uh, I'll go with you, just in case. In case of what? Just in case. Wasn't Marie nice, Cubby? She made me extra copies of her last batch of pictures for my scrapbook. Patsy, uh, let me see that picture of Ann Keppel again. Sure, Scubby. Ah, it's a good one, isn't it? Mm. Patsy, how many men do you see in the orchestra of this picture? Huh? Oh, gee, Scubby, they're so far in the background, it's hard to tell. Well, look closely. Five, six. Six? Why? Well, Bradley told us there were seven men in the band. The picture shows only six. Huh? I wonder where the other one was. Uh, how are you folks oh. making out? Find anything yet? Oh, uh, Mr. Bradley, you said there were seven men in the band. Yes. Well, this picture taken during the first show tonight shows only six. That's so. Let's see. Yes, the guitar player, Steve Dawson, isn't there. See, that's funny. Any idea why he wasn't there when this picture was snapped? No, no, I know he was there when the show started, and he's there now. I saw him as I came up. I don't understand this, Scubby. Huh? Do you suppose he could have... Oh, brother, oh. Uh, Marie tells me this was Paula's last night here. She was going to work for another club beginning tomorrow night. Yes, is that true? Well, how come you didn't tell me about that before? I guess it just slipped my mind, Sergeant. Why was she leaving? 
Oh, she got a better job. More money than I could pay her. That's all. Sergeant, while Paula was singing her last number, the guitar player was missing from the band. You suppose he could have come up here and, and done this? A guitar player, huh? Hey, Bradley, do these musicians have a dressing room here anywhere? Yes, yes, they do, on the third floor. They keep their stuff in lockers up there. How much longer are they going to be playing? You see, it's 9.10 now. They break at 9.30. Uh-huh, so we got 20 minutes. Let's have a look at this guitar player's locker. Maybe he knows something about this. Uh, which one is this, uh, Steve's locker? It's the third one from the left. Got his name on it. Good. Oh, not locked. That helps. No? Nothing in this old jacket. Just the racing form. Hey, what's that written on it? Huh? Oh, Central 8740, Mike. That's probably his bookmaker. Yeah, probably. These boys play the horses pretty heavily, I understand. Oh, Yeah. Then the Steve could need money, maybe, if the nags weren't running for it. Anything else there, Sergeant? No, Patsy, only this old guitar case. Hmm, and that's empty. Gosh, they use nice velvet for the lining, don't they? Well, maybe it was nice once, but it's pretty well shot now, Patsy. Oh, yes. Look at this big tear in it. It's... Oh, Sergeant, look at this. What? Money. Hidden in the lining. Right. Seven twenties and a ten. Say, that's what I paid Paula tonight. What? So Steve took it, but... But why did he have to kill her to get it? He could have got it without that. Well, we don't know that he did kill her, Mr. Bradley. The guy that got the money is the guy that did the killing, according to my book. Hey, Bradley, get Steve Dawson up here. We'll see if he can get out of this. Certainly, Sergeant. I'll have him meet you in Paula's room right after the band breaks for intermission. And you can bet I'll keep my eye on him until then. Uh, Mr. Bradley, do you have a phone we could use? Yes, of course. There's one in my office. The room right next to Paula. Thanks. Come with me, Scotty. I've got a job for you. Anywhere with you, beautiful. Just lead the way. You say you want me to call this number we found on Steve's racing form? Right, Scotty. And ask for Mike. Oh, do you want me to ask him anything special? Oh, no, just say it's Steve Dawson calling. Mm-hmm. Then stall around and see if maybe he won't let something slip about Steve's finances. Okay, what can we lose? Here goes. Right. Hey, Dylan. Oh, I wish I knew what this Steve's voice sounds like. Well, just talk a little husky. As if it were a bad connection. Michael never know the difference. I hope. The Purple Pig. Good evening. Oh, hello. Is Mike there? This is Mike. Who's talking? Steve Dawson. Oh, yeah, Dawson. You got the money ready for me? Well, I've got part of it. Part of it? Hey, listen, you know what I told you. You have it all when I call for it tonight or else. The whole 300 bucks you borrowed, and the $100 interest for the two weeks you had it. Well, isn't there some way I can let you have part of it now, and the rest Got of it will... Got the Dawson. 400 smackers in a bunch by 1 o'clock tonight for trouble. And I mean trouble. Okay, Mike. Goodbye. So Steve did need money. He sure did. $400 by 1 o'clock tonight and no fooling around either. So Steve might have needed that money so bad he'd be willing to kill Paula to get it. Well, it sure looks that way from where I sit. I wonder if... Gubby, what's that on the floor over under the window? Huh? Oh. Looks like tar. Tar? Yeah. Tar off somebody's heel. Maybe somebody was out on the roof and got some on a shoe. Mr. Bradley said nobody ever went out there. But look here. Here's a smudge on the windowsill, too, Scubby. 
Do you suppose... Have you got a flashlight, Patsy? Yeah, my mom. I saw one here in my bag. I Quiet. think I'll have a look at the roof outside this window. There might be footprints or something. If you're going out there, I am too. Give me a hand. Okay, beautiful. Here. Easy now. There you are. Hey. Tar on this roof is soft, isn't it? Yeah, tar roofs generally get that way on warm days. No, I don't see any prints here anyway. Uh-uh. Well, that doesn't prove anything, of course. Soft tar wouldn't hold prints very well. Scrubby, this fireplace must fire escape. Oh, I'm getting all mixed up. Must be the one that goes up to the musician's locker room. Well, it probably is. I remember seeing one when we were up there before. Uh, is Paula's body still in the room? No, they took it away after the homicide boys finished their investigation. Oh, I'm glad of that. I don't... Oh. What's the matter? I tripped over something. Caught my toe in it. Well, there's nothing here, Patsy. Oh, wait. Huh? Ah, here's an old guitar string. Maybe a trip on that. An old guitar string? And Steve plays the guitar. Funny, isn't it? How do you mean funny? The sergeant says Paula was choked with a cord or a piece of wire. Of course. And finding this guitar string here is no coincidence at all at all. I wonder. What do you mean, I wonder? Huh? Oh, I don't know, Scubby, but that's what Nick always says when he's not sure of something. Oh, his master's voice, huh? Uh, something like that. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to think the way Nick would do it if he were here. Oh, I wish he were here, too. Oh, I don't know. It looks pretty open and shut to me. I know it does, but that's always the time Nick says to... Scubby. There's one of the musicians just coming into Paula's room. That must be Steve Dawson. Yeah, come on. I want to hear what he has to say. You want me, Sergeant? Yeah, come on in. Have a chair. Mind if we join you, Sergeant? Well, the love of Pete, what are you two doing out there on the roof? All just looking at the stars, that's all. Do you mind if we come in? I don't mind what you do so long as you don't get my way. Thanks. Help me up, Scotty. Right. Here you are. How easy. Watch the sill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks, Scotty. Uh, won't you come in, too, Mr. Wilson? Oh, delighted, Miss Paul. So kind of you to offer things. Will you two ever stop clowning? This is a murder case. Murder? What have I got to do with a murder? Everything, if I ain't mistaken, Dawson. Where were you at about 8 o'clock tonight? 8 o'clock? Yeah. Playing with the band, same as always. That's so. Patsy, where's that picture you had? Here it is, Sergeant. Thanks. Now, then, Steve... Show me which one in this picture is you. Why, uh, I don't seem to be there. Uh, when was this taken? During Paula's last number in the first show tonight. Now, where were you? Oh, yeah, I I remember now. I I was late coming in. Mr. Bradley said you were there when the show opened. Huh? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I had to step out for a minute. You need money pretty bad, don't you? Money? Yeah. No, I just got paid tonight. I got plenty. You didn't get paid enough to repay the loan Mike made you. Three hundred bucks plus a hundred interest. Hey, what's that? Where did you find that out? Mike told us. Mike? What do you know about Mike? And he's calling for you at one o'clock tonight, isn't he? I don't know what you're talking about. No? Then why did you kill Paula Windsor tonight and then swipe a hundred and fifty dollars from her purse? And don't try to lie out of it. We found the money in that old guitar case in your locker. I didn't kill her. I swear it. Sergeant, we found this on the roof just outside the window. What's that? String for a fiddle or something. So what? Could be a guitar string, Maddie. What? That settles it, Dawson. You saw Bradley give Paula her salary earlier tonight, so you sneaked off the bandstand during her last number, came up to her room, and tried to sneak her purse. She caught you, and you killed her. No, I didn't kill her. I didn't. You strangled her with a guitar string you happened to have in your pocket and threw it out the window. I didn't kill her. She wasn't even in the room when I took the money. Oh, so you admit you stole the money. Yeah. Yes, I stole it, but 
I didn't kill her. She was just finishing her song when, when I got back downstairs. No good, Dawson. If you can make a jury believe that, you're a better man than I think you are. But I tell you, I didn't kill her. Look here, Scotty. I took the money Here's a slip of paper on her dressing table with that same number on it that we just called. C-E-8740. I wonder what she was doing with that. Playing the horses, maybe. I doubt it. Sergeant, yes. may I ask Mr. Dawson a question? Oh, you again. All right, ask it. Let me get out of here. Uh, Mr. Dawson, what did you and Paula have in common about the purple pig? Nothing. Mike is the manager there, and he's my bookie. Paula was supposed to start singing there tomorrow night. Mike met her here when, when he came over once to see me and gave her a job. That's all. So that's where she was going. Yeah. Bradley was all burned up about it, but Mike offered her more than Bradley did, so... She gave notice. Come on, Dawson. You and I, you and I have a date at headquarters. Look, Sergeant. I'm I... booking you for robbery and possible murder. Now hold out your hand. I got a bracelet for it. But I tell you, I, I just you don't... tell me don't count. <sighs> so long, Miss Patsy Carter. If you pick up anything I missed, uh, give me a ring. I'm always happy to hear from you. Why? Thank you, Sergeant. Well, Scotty, what do you think? I think if I killed a girl with a guitar string, I'd never throw it out the window where it would be found first thing. That's the way I feel. And it seems to me that if Paula did catch Steve Dawson stealing her money, he wouldn't be likely to go fishing around in his pockets to see if he had an old guitar string he could kill her with. Gosh, you're right, Patsy. He'd more likely strangle her with his bare hands. You know, Scuffy, I think the murder had nothing to do with the robbery. I think whoever killed Paula did it deliberately and used the guitar string to throw suspicion on Steve Dawson. Which would account for his leaving it right outside where it would be sure to be found. Uh And I noticed another thing, too, Scubby, that makes me think Dawson didn't kill her. It's not proof, but it's something to think about. Yeah, what's that? Well, well, when I saw Paula's body, I noticed that she had unzipped her dress as if she were going to take it off. Uh And her shoes were off, and one of her stockings was unfastened. Which means she'd been in her room long enough to start changing her costume. Good girl. And if she'd been leaning over and fastening her stockings, the killer could have crept up behind her without being seen. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Oh, poor kid. Just look at this picture of Heather Marie took tonight. She's laughing and looks as if she didn't have... Copy. Huh? Look at this picture. Look at the mirror. Hey, there's the figure of a man reflected in the mirror. From the angle at which the picture was taken... He must have been standing on the roof just outside her window. Well, he probably thought he couldn't be seen, but the camera caught him in the mirror. Plain enough to make out who it is. No, the picture doesn't show him very plainly. But it's definitely a man in a black coat, and the musicians wear white. So it's not the guitar player. Scubby, this man has a flower in his buttonhole. It's the right buttonhole instead of the left, the way most men wear them. Hey, let's ask Bradley. Maybe he'll be able to recognize who it is. Right, Scubby, come on. We'll show Sergeant Matheson, yes? Uh, Mr. Bradley? Yes? Uh, Mr. Bradley, we've got something to show you. Can we go somewhere where it won't be so noisy? Yes, yes. Suppose you go right in here. With the door closed, you can at least hear yourself think. <sighs> yes, this is bad. Now, what have you found that would interest me? And Mr. Bradley, this picture was taken this evening in Paula's room right after the first show. Oh, yes, I remember Marie saying that she took one. If you look in the mirror, you can see the reflection of a man standing outside her window on the roof. What? Yes. Yes, I see. 
It's a pretty pity it isn't a better picture of him so he could recognize who it is. Mr. Bradley, have you ever been out on the roof outside your office? What? No, I never go out there. Then how do you suppose the spot of roof tar got on the rug in your office? I wouldn't have the It probably came off your shoe, Mr. Bradley. I see there's still some tar on the heel. But I did Your right heel. Say, look here, are you implying that I killed Paula? I am. I didn't realize it until I saw you again just now. But you wear your flower in your right lapel. Practically no one does that. You're a pair of idiots. Why should I kill Paula? I had no motive to do a thing like that. I don't understand about the motive part either, Mr. Bradley, but I'm sure you killed her. Now, see here. Just because I happen to be standing outside Paula's window when Marie snapped that picture doesn't prove that I killed her. Just went out for some air and then went back to my office. She was alive the last time I saw her. You've forgotten one thing, Mr. Bradley. Your fingerprints are on the guitar string you strangled her with. All right, so I killed her. What are you two going to do about it? I'll have you two taken care of so fast. Sit you down, even... Mr. Bradley. You can't scare me with that little pop gun. Don't kid yourself, Mr. Bradley. Patsy knows how to use that gun, and she will if she has to. And a twenty-two makes just as good a hole in a man's heart as a forty-five does if it's aimed right the way Patsy aims. Thank you, Scotty. Now, will you sit down, Mr. Bradley? Now, Scabby, if you'll call Sergeant Matheson, he can put both the robber and the killer in the same cell. You mean you're going to be at that typewriter for another hour yet? I'm sorry, Scotty, but I have to have a full report ready for Nick when he comes back. Uh, And I want to get it down in black and white while it's still fresh in my mind. Okay, okay, I quit. I'm going home. I'll see you again sometime, I hope. Why, I hope so, Scotty. Give me a ring sometime when you're free. Oh, darn you, Patsy Bowen. If I wasn't in love with you, I'd wring your neck. (laughs) Good night, Scotty, dear. Good night. Poor Scubby. Ah, let's see. Where was I? Oh, yes. Nick Carter's office, Patsy Bowen speaking. This is Manny, Patsy. Oh. I just wanted to tell you, Bradley made a full confession. He did? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'll put that in my report, too. Oh, uh, what'd he say? He said he planned to kill Paula tonight, so he waited on the roof outside her window for her to come back from the floor show. Uh-huh. It was while he was standing out there that he saw Steve Dawson swipe the money out of her purse. Oh. Well, that gave him the idea that he could have a perfect alibi by making Steve the goat for the killing as well as the robbery. <laughs> so he went up the fire escape to the musician's room, found an old guitar string Steve had thrown out, and got back outside Paula's window just in time to see Marie's snapper picture. I see. And then, while she was changing her clothes, he crept up behind her and strangled her. Oh. And threw the guitar string out on the roof where it'd be found by the police. Or by someone else. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Did he say what his motive was? Yeah. He loved Paula, but she turned him down cold. He discovered her, you see. Gave her her first job. He felt she owed him something, but she told him to his face that he had done nothing for her and that she was leaving him for a better job with a better man. Well, that made him so mad, and the fact that he really loved her desperately... That he decided if he couldn't have her, nobody else was going to. Oh, the poor guy. Love is an awful thing sometimes. Yeah. 
especially if it's not returned. Yeah, but look, Patsy, there's yeah. one thing I don't understand. You said you told him his fingerprints were on the guitar string. Now, what was the idea of that? Well, Nick always has something to clinch the case with, so I happen to think of that. But you ought to know a guitar string wouldn't take any fingerprints. Well, sure, Sergeant, I knew it. But Mr. Bradley didn't. Well, Patsy, in the absence of Nick, I suppose I'll have to get my hints on next week's show from you. How about it? I sure can do, Carl. The case started when both Vince O'Neill and Otto Lerner found they were married to the same girl. Hmm. What did Nick do about that? Well, he started out to find the girl and straighten things out, if he could. And he found her, I suppose, knowing Nick. Oh, yes, he did. But when he located her finally, she could no longer give him any information. She'd been using a new jar of cold cream and taking a bath. Well... What does that have to do with it? Why, everything. That and the fight on the train. Yeah. All right, all right. What's <laughs> the name of the story? We call it The Case of the Extra Husband. Master Detective, which is produced and directed by Jock McGregor, is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. Pictured stories of Nick Carter appear in every issue of the Shadow Comics. In the broadcasts of Nick Carter, Master Detective, Lon Clark is starred as Nick, Charlotte Mansim is featured as Patsy, Matty is played by Ed Latimer, Scubby by John Kane. Original music is played by George Wright, script is by Jock McGregor. Any resemblance in these programs to actual persons, living or dead, or to actual places is purely coincidental. Nick Carter, Master Detective, is presented over most of these mutual stations each week at the same time. This is Carl Caruso saying, so long until next week. Auctions are exciting, but we've never heard of a public auction where the bidding went up, up, up to murder. There's your promise of thrilling mystery entertainment again tomorrow night over these mutual stations on Bulldog Drummond's case called Upholstered for Murder. That's Bulldog Drummond, Mondays on Mutual. Stay tuned for The Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for that rubber-faced comedian Red Skelton to drop by with another zany plot involving one of his favorite characters, Junior, the mean widow kid. Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. Yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family watch. Tide skin, dirt's 
out tight gets close cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap tight gets close cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E, tight. And now, from Metro-Golden-Mare, the star of our show, Red Skelton. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you, O'Connor? Well, I'm fine, Red. Uh, how was your trip to Washington, D.C.? Oh, it was really swell. And I'd like to say here and now, it's a wonderful feeling to go to Washington from Hollywood without a subpoena in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think of Washington, Red? Oh, it's really a great city. White, gleaming buildings in the Treasury Department and broad avenues in the Treasury Department and beautiful memorials in the Treasury Department. <laughs> Just, just a minute, you know. The Treasury Department seems to have made quite an impression on you. Annually, bub, annually. <laughs> hey, you know, I took my uncle over to the Bureau of Engraving where they make money, and he looked at the machines, he says, look at the dirty crooks, they stole my idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we try some jokes now? Yeah. <laughs> Brad, you went back to the nation's capital to attend the Variety Club's banquet honoring Secretary of State Marshall, didn't you? Yeah, I, I felt that the General Marshall and I have a lot in common. See, we're both in the same outfit together during the yeah. war. <laughs> of course, he was a five-star general, and I was just a six-button private. But I, <laughs> I could have had a better rating, but they never came around the guardhouse to see the good work I was doing. <laughs> Well, the Variety Club gave Secretary Marshall a humanitarian award for his services to mankind, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, tell me... What did they give you? Wait till I find my... Here it is. <laughs> uh, what's that? What did they give me? Uh, yeah. The usual 24 hours to get out of town. <laughs> Hardly <laughs> worth finding, was it? <laughs> well, where did you stay when you were back? There? I stayed at the Stagger... Uh, the Statler Hotel. <laughs> From the looks of those halls, boy, I was right the first... <laughs> That's a pretty classy place. Yeah, it's really, really high class. Did you have a suite? No, I took my wife with me. <laughs> Boy, the place was really loaded with politicians. You know, everybody talks politics in Washington, but they're only interested in what they've got to sell. I said to one guy, what do you think of the Taft Hartley bill? He says, I think they should pay it. <laughs> Back there? Yeah, with a club as usual. Mm-hmm. One, one cab driver asked me if I was a congressman. I says, no, a comedian. He says, oh, third party, huh? Did you visit any of the famous buildings? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I, uh, I visited the White House, but the man of the house wasn't in. He wasn't? No, they said he was out trying to talk the landlords into renewing his lease. <laughs> you know, Dewey and Truman are traveling so close together, Truman got up this morning, had on Dewey's uh, pajamas. <laughs> lunch at the White House while I was in Washington. Really? Yeah, I had lunch there. Of course, I didn't get any butter. The chain on my knife was so short I couldn't reach it. <laughs> I saw Dewey at the White House, and he was writing a postcard home to his wife, and I peeked over his shoulder and says, having a wonderful time. Wish I were here. <laughs> Clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Now, hold on there just a minute. That cake of soap I got for Christmas back in 1906 was still pretty powerful. 
But I hear that they got some mighty good new soaps and sudsers on the markets now. Did I? You're so right. Yeah. Let me tell you about Tide. <laughs> Tide gets clothes cleaner than any of them. Soap or suds are old or new, Procter & Gamble's Tide gets clothes cleaner than any washing product known. I mean, gets all your clothes cleaner, too. Your whole family wash, top to bottom, from linens and prints to work shirts and overalls. Tide not only leaves them free from dirt, Tide removes dingy soap film, too. Think of it. All this amazing cleaning power, yet Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, Tide spruces up gay checks and prints. Actually brightens those soap-dulled colors. And in hardest water, Tide gets white things whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too. Week in, week out. Never turns them yellow. No, wash day products are not all alike. Tide and Tide alone gives you all this. The cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know that over 50% of the doctors that switched to camels are now back to driving cars again? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the four knights are here now to sing uh, Rambling Rose. She's a rambling rose, she's a beauty growing wild Birds in their nests seem to whistle their best for Mother Nature's favorite child She's got the kind of affection that just winds around your heart You'd better run for protection or she might upset your flower card I hate to disclose that the rambling rose is gonna beat her Waterloo I let her play, but she can't get away Because I know just what to do And anyone knows you can train a rose To be a clinging vine So from this day hence to be a picket fence Round that rambling rose of mine Round that rambling rose of mine Oh, how they sigh When she passes by She thrills them with a sweet perfume Nobody's brush has painted her blood That's just a natural blue Cause everyone knows She's a rambling rose She's a beauty And she's running wild Birds in the nest Seem to whistle their breast Just for Mother Nature's favorite child to disclose that my rambling rose is gonna meet her Waterloo. And from this day hence, there'll be a great big fence from that rambling rose of People you'll meet sooner or later. Have you ever met anyone who mistook you for somebody else? Well, old Clem Cadiddlehopper did once, and so will you sooner or later.
rose. Do, 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 do. Boy, I really sing it when I get done with it. You can smell it. Boy. Well, sir, I just registered for the draft again. They didn't know how to classify me either. Dead or alive. They said they're going to defer me because I'm a farmer. Of course, my corn crop wasn't too good this year. The ears were so bad they were wearing hearing aids. Well, I'll stop in the Daisy June's house and get a bite to eat. I wonder what she's going to have for supper tonight. I hope it ain't hash. She's so impulsive, you know. (laughs) Oh, here comes that same car again. Now, that guy's been following me for an hour. I hope I ain't in any trouble of any kind. Somebody told me that the dog catcher had a warrant for me. (laughs) Well, Well, if it ain't Lieutenant Muscle, Hmm? remember me. I don't even remember me. Stop playing dumb. Playing? I yeah. ain't playing dumb. I'm sincere about it. Look, Lieutenant Muscle, you remember the way you pushed us GIs around? Well, you ain't got those bars on your shoulders now, Oh, here, let go of my Adam's apple. It ain't ripe enough to pick yet. Let go of me, will you? I told you overseas that if I ever met you when you got out of the army, I was going to punch you in the nose. I've never seen you going to punch who in the nose? I'm going to punch you. Well, you just try it once. You'll be surprised. (laughs) You see, it was easier than you thought. Lieutenant, get up, you... Say, just a minute. What? Stand over here in the light. Well, you were doing all right when we were standing in the dark. <laughs> oh, look, I'm awful sorry, fella, but what? from a distance, you look just like Lieutenant Muscle. No kidding. Yeah, d- did I hurt you? Oh, no, no. I tied this knot in my spine to remember something. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I punched you without thinking. Well, I'm not. If you'd have thought about it, you'd have done a better job. <laughs> oh, please accept my apologies for mistaking you for Lieutenant Muscle. You I... mean to tell me that there's another guy in the world that looks yet like me? You look enough alike to be twins. Ooh, what a gruesome thought. <laughs> no hard feelings, eh, buddy? I ain't got no feelings at all, now. Uh, can I drop you off someplace? No, no, my girl's house is right here. I better hurry, I'll be late for supper. Okay. Of all the experiences I've had, huh? <laughs> Well, Daisy, you. Holy duty to you, too. Clam, your nose is bleeding. What happened? I ran into an old friend. Of course, he had his fist out at the time. Won't you come in? Well, thank you. Don't mind. Well, wait till I open the screen door. I'm sorry. I didn't notice the screen. I thought those specks in front of my eyes were turning to squares. Clam, you're just in time to help me with the supper dishes. This You mean you've already eaten? Well, no, I never expected a, a cat's after me like this, a catastrophe like this. You've eaten? Didn't you eat, Claire? Are you accusing me of doing something behind your back? Oh, I'm sorry, Claire. Oh, it's all right. Are you hungry? No, I ain't hungry. Your stomach growling? That wasn't thunder you heard. <laughs> I'll fix you a bite to eat. Okay, okay. Throw a little tide in there. That'll do it. I'll wash and you dry. Why should I dry? I ain't even wet. Oh, Why must you act like an imbecile? Because I refuse to put on airs. Oh. Here, take this towel to dry the dishes with. I'm pretty good at drying dishes. Watch me. I'll dry three of them at a time. Now, what's this? Stop showing off. 
You can't dry three dishes at a time. You're liable to break one. Oh, poopity poop. <laughs> I've been drying dishes all my life. I never broke one. Until now. Oh, Clem. I bought those dishes to have when I got married. It was a service for sex. Marrying someone with kids? <laughs> Okay. Don't stand there. Go get the broom from the back porch. Okay, I'll let you know. Where could the broom be up? Oh, somebody's walking around out there, a prowler. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, who are you? Who are you? You going to tell me who you are, or am I going to have to run from the light? Hey, would you tell me where 521 Keys Avenue is? Lieutenant Muscle. Here. I've been looking for you. Here. Now, it's me. Remember me? How can I ever forget you? Here. You know, let go of my ear, will you? Now, ooh, look what you've done to my ear. I look like a lopsided bloodhound now. This is for being so nasty to the boys in our outfit. Look, old man, I'm Clem Cadiddlehopper. You just beat up on me a while ago, remember? Oh, of course. Of course, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I never can remember faces. Well, I... No wonder you keep going around changing them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Clem, but you look so much like Lieutenant Muscle. Yeah. Every time I see you, I, I think of how he treated our outfit. Well, I, I just got carried away. Well, take it easy or I'm going to be the one that's carried away. <laughs> yeah, well... I can't keep beating you up. Uh, no. Here, wear my Dewey button. Oh, I'll pin it on my shirt. Yeah, Ooh, then I'll... I ain't wearing one. <laughs> then I'll know the next time I see you. I'll oh, know you. You said you were looking for 521 Keys Avenue? Yeah, that's right. Well, this yeah. is the house right here, right, right where I'm at. But you better go around to the front door. Around here, if you come to a back door, they shoot and then ask questions. Of course, they don't get many answers, but that's... <laughs> okay, I'll go around to the front door. Yeah. Well, what's keeping you? I was just talking to a man out here. Well, what was he doing at the back? Well, Who he was, was he? He's looking for... There he is now. I told him to go around the front and let him in. Howdy doody. Uh, pardon me. Could you tell me what... Lieutenant Muscle! Here! I told you I'd look you up! Get, uh, get up, you rat! Get up! Look, you eager, eager beaver, you! <laughs> That's a new kind of a beaver, eh? <laughs> I'm Clem Cadiddlehopper. Look, I'm wearing the Dewey button, see? I'm sorry. Politics ain't gonna help you. Now take that! Now look, you're asking for it. For what? A manslaughter charge. <laughs> Good thing I don't lose my temper easily. Here, you big bully. What are you trying to do? Not Clem, silly? If you are, you're wasting your time. Get up on your feet, Lieutenant Muscle. He ain't, ain't Lieutenant Muscle. Muscle. No, Muscle died over a year ago. Muscle's dead? <laughs> that explains the resemblance. You say, you say Lieutenant Muscle's dead? You? Yeah. See, I'm, I'm sure sorry to hear that. Yeah. He was the nicest guy I ever knew. <laughs> With him gone, life won't be worth living. It'll help me out a little. <laughs> Gee, poor Lieutenant Muscle. Well, I'll be seeing you around. Never in all my life. Oh, my poor, poor clam. I'll fix you something to eat. Oh, never mind. I couldn't chew it with my teeth scattered all over the rug anyway. <laughs> I'm going. You're going home? No, I'm going over to the undertakers and get an appraisal. <laughs> I'll see you later. Aren't you going to chaos me? Look, haven't I taken enough punishment already? 
Posney's Procter & Gamble Orchestra play Puppet Serenade. <laughs> Thank you, Dave Rose. A page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary. Have you ever gone shopping at a department store and look around and see somebody else's kid getting into everything? <laughs> the Mean Little Kid's no exception, and the department store is never the same. Mother, here's the big department store. I hope you're holding on to Junior. No, I'm not. I thought you had him. He's gone. Oh, oh Mother, we'll never find him among all these people. Should we call for help? Yes. These people are going to need it. <laughs> oh, oh, there he is. Junior! Yes, Come here to me now, this instant. Okay, now, don't you hit me. You hit me, boy. I'll tell Pop that I was twins. And you'll never be able to explain what you did with the other one. <laughs> I can't even explain you. Well. You shouldn't wander away in this crowd, Junior. Goodness sake. Listen. 
You might get lost. And how would we ever find you? You mean you would try? Certainly. Boy, some people don't know when they well off, do they? Well, Mother, we better get on with our shopping. Hey, will you buy me a cowboy suit? No, I won't buy you a cowboy suit. Well, you don't have to get nasty about it. Come on, Junior. Come on. Okay. Now, be careful going through the revolving doors. You might get your head caught and jam it. Yes. <laughs> then, you know, people wouldn't be able to get into the store. Oh, such a question. I'd never seen... Hey, how'd this door work, huh? Well, <laughs> you just step into one of those little places and push. Okay, then. Well, that's funny. The store looks the same on the inside as it does on the outside. Oh, Junior, you're not supposed to go all the way around. Oh. Come on, I'll show you. Okay. Boy, this is fun. I like to get that spinning real fast. Mm. Trip people up and down. Hmm? What's the matter with you? What's the matter? Why are you acting so strangely, Junior? Look what are you them staring stairs, at? Mummy. Look, people standing still, yet they're going upstairs. Maybe I've got Grandpa's sickness. <laughs> Does Alcoholics Anonymous has a kindergarten class? <laughs> no, dear. That's an escalator. A what? Escalator. I don't want escalator. I want to know now. What are you? <laughs> now be careful getting on. No, no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Well, here I lift you on. Oh, oh. now stand still. Oh boy, ain't this something? Uh, stairs that walk. Boy, we ought to have one of these in the house. It would save you and Mummy a lot of trouble carrying Gramps upstairs at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Junior. Are you insinuating that your grandfather drinks to excess? Oh, no, no, no. He drinks to get blotto. <laughs> boy, look at all the people on this thing. I sure like to nail their, their shoes to the steps, boy. <laughs> boy, then when they get up at the end, they couldn't get up, and they would go right through that little crack. <laughs> oh, what an imagination. <laughs> well, we're almost at the top. Now, be careful, Junior. Okay. <clears throat> now... Wasn't that fun? No, I didn't care much for it. No. You didn't? Mother, no. I'm going over to the shoe department. Will you watch, Junior? Yes, dear. Hey, Nemo, hmm. is you going to give me some money to buy Mummy a, a present? Well, what do you want to buy her? Well, I don't know. How about some toy soldiers and a pair of skates and a, uh, and a feet ball? And I th- thought it was too good to be true. You're just thinking of yourself. Uh, what did you suggest I could get her? Give her something she can use. Oh. A hairbrush. Oh, No! <laughs> I'm not buying my own booby trap, kid. I'm stuck. I just don't know what to get her. She has so much, you know. Ooh, so much. Junior. A kooky Lucas, she's got in Junior, look. They're having a fall dress sale. Fall dresses, huh? That must be those dresses without the shoulder straps on them. You know what holds them up? A city ordinance. Well... Just walked away and left me here all alone with a new world to conquer all by myself. Oh, boy, I think I'll just pick up something. Oh, that's a silly thing to say. <laughs> Look where I is in the piano department. <laughs> oh, the toy department. Oh, where's old Red Whisker Face? Where he at? Not here yet, huh? I think I'll just stop for a second. Ooh, look at the little rubber balls. Just what I need, boy. I think I'll take one of them home and try it. And if I decide that I want it, I'll come back and open a charge account. <laughs> hey, mummy, over Junior? here. Yes? Where's your grandmother? I thought she was watching well, she's you. She's only got two eyes, kiddo. She's only got two eyes. Well, where is she? She's over there. Come on, oh, let's, let's well, now, come on, let's go. Yeah, just hurry. Wait a minute now. What have you got under your coat? Don't ask silly questions. Let's get out of here. Now, let me see that. It's a ball. 
Junior, where did you get it? Never mind. Let's get going. I'm loaded down with hot goods. <laughs> Junior, where did you get this ball? Look, stop asking silly questions. The reform school is beckoning me. Come on. I want to know, where did you get this ball? What's going on here? Not too loud. Junior, you didn't take that rubber ball. Yes, he did, Mother. Well, why don't you both yell a little louder? Maybe the store detective ain't hurt you yet. Junior, now you march right over and put it back. No, no, don't make me put it back. Don't make me put it back. It got me fingerprint on it. If they catch me, it's up the river. I don't want to go up there with Pop. What to do with you? And you wanted twins. <laughs> I, uh, if he were twins, I'd pick one of them up and knock the other one down with him. Now, <laughs> uh, Junior, you put that back. No, no, no! I want it. I want it. I oh, want it. wait until I get you home. Don't take it away from me, please. Don't take it away from me. <laughs> I want a ball. I want a ball. Well, go ahead and ball. <laughs> but put this one back. No, I'm oh. gonna kick. off of the floor and stop tearing your clothes off. I'll hold my breath till I die. Junior, stop that. Junior! I'm the floor walker. What seems to be the trouble with this little purple-faced boy? Oh, it's my little boy. He's he's holding his breath because I won't buy him that ball. Well, for heaven's sake, buy him one. No, I don't want him spoiled. If I blow up, I'll be really spoiled. Sorry, madam, we can't have anything like this in our store. He might die. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, what's the matter? What he said, he scared me. Oh. He scared me. Oh, no, don't cry. That's not you, man. No, no. I'd kick you in the shins, I would. If I didn't have my good shoes on, I'd kick you. Poor baby. Yeah, Here. Poor baby. Don't cry now, no, darling. Don't cry. Oh, he's sorry. I'm sorry. Here. How much is the ball? I knew I'd get one. <laughs> the price of the ball is 50 cents. All wow. right, sir. There you are. Here, Junior. Here's a nice, beautiful red ball. Oh, no, I don't want it. <laughs> You're not going to spoil me, kid. <laughs> Thanks for being with us tonight, and we hope you liked our program well enough to be with us next week. So, until next Friday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of that wash day miracle, Tide. Tide's in, dirt's out, Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap, T-I-D-E, Tide. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.